pray as a little boy was called Luther's morning prayer. Some of you know that. And in that prayer, there is a phrase that says, may the wicked foe have no power over us. I prayed that prayer for years and years before I finally worked up the nerve to go up to Pastor Heidemann, and I said, what does it mean that the wicked foam is to have no power over us? See, I had this idea because of the gutters in the streets in Seward, Nebraska. When the leaves were in there, they'd all rush down to the gutter and would kind of spin around. There was a lot of foam there. And I kind of pictured that, that the wicked foam was after us. I had no idea that the word was actually foe. And yet, I still believed. I had to memorize the Apostles' Creed as well. And in there, there's a phrase that says, from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Remember that? From thence he will come to judge the quick and the dead. And I always wondered, why is he coming to judge the quick and the dead and not the slow and the living? And yet I still believe that too. I have a friend I was sharing part of this message with. He says, oh, I remember one too. When I was a kid in Sunday school, real little, we learned this song, Virgin Mary had a little baby boy. Now, he said, I didn't really understand the Virgin Mary. I thought the teacher said, Virgin and Mary. And so when I got home, I told my parents, guess what? Mary was the mom of Jesus, and Virg, I guess that's short for Virgil, was his dad. But he believed that Jesus was still born. I have a prayer partner for nearly 20-some years that every Sunday morning I kind of give, well, it's my responsibility is to share the message with them in an abbreviated fashion. Some of you wish I'd do that for you. And then they kind of critique it. And sometimes they say, how much time till church could you write another one? But this morning I was talking about these things, and they said, I want to add another story. She said, because when I was a little girl, I went to a Christmas service, and, and uh, I got home and I asked my dad, why was Jesus born a woman and then became a man? And he said, my father kind of laughed a little bit and said, honey, you missed a word. It's born of a woman and became a man. And yet, it didn't change how she believed. Now, in verse 2 of Matthew 18, what does it say here? It says, Jesus called the little child to him and put the child among them. Now, in Mark's account of the very same story, it says that Jesus literally took that little child, brought him forward, and it said put his arms around him, probably put him up on his lap. And I think that would have been a great scene to say Jesus he said, little kid, hey, come up here. Come up here, little guy. And the little guy probably just ran right up, grabbed him, plopped him up on Jesus' lap, and there he sat, and he talked to his disciples. But it is in verse 3 that there's an amazing sentence. It says, this is Jesus talking to his disciples with the little child on his lap. I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get in to the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't really know what was going on with the disciples, but Jesus says, look, guys, I'm going to give you a truism. I'm going to tell you the truth right here. It could have been that the disciples, 
at least by Jesus watching them, were losing their childlikeness. They were in danger of losing this childlike faith and were getting this kind of hard, cold, adult faith, if you will, and they were risking their very continuance in the kingdom of God. Now, you don't need to raise your hand, but I wonder how many of you here this morning have lost your childishness, have lost your childlike faith, or how many of you are in the process of becoming an hardened old geezer and have lost your faith? Just one teenager in the back row. Too bad. It means you need to pay attention today. I'll help you crack it. See, a lot of people think that kids need to somehow be all growed up in order to get into the kingdom of heaven. That's what we call in the Lutheran church confirmation. Somehow we think that kids never can arrive in the kingdom of heaven until they have been confirmed, or as I've misspelled sometimes, conformed, brought in and tightened up and had the screws put to them for a while. But Jesus kind of reverses this entire process, and what does he say to us? He says you've got to go back, become like little children, or you're not getting into God's kingdom. Isn't that interesting? Now, the obvious question is, what does it mean to become like a little child? Well, think about little children, for example. You know, little children make absolutely no spiritual claims of their own. They just go to Jesus just as Jesus is. Little kids come, sometimes very sweet and innocent, sometimes not, sometimes clean, more often dirty, sometimes with runny nose, sometimes with untied shoes, sometimes with messed up hair, sometimes they're laughing, sometimes they're crying, and they just walk up to Jesus and say, here I am. And Jesus says, come into my kingdom. I remember my grandson when he was truly little Joshy boy. And when he would come to visit us, he'd come, I'd be in the back of the house, and he'd come running through the house. And he'd shout, Grandpa, I'm here! <laughs> Didn't make any difference whether he had one shoe off, one shoe on, his hair combed out, and he would just jump when he'd see me, jump right off the landing, and I'd catch him, and I'd say, Welcome home, buddy boy. That's exactly what God does. He, we just come as sweet, little, innocent children in our childlike faith. I think what a big contrast that is to grown-ups. Not all grown-ups, but some grown-ups. You know, there are a lot of grown-ups, and you find them in every pew in every church in America on a Sunday morning. They kind of think that they've arrived because... Well, they're pretty good. They've done some pretty great things in the kingdom of God. And, you know, Jesus would look upon them favorably and say, yeah, you're a pretty good guy. Did you catch what was going on here in the text, verse 1? The disciples were doing the exact same thing. Why do you think Jesus brought a little baby in front of a little, little child? It says, about that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Isn't that interesting? Even the disciples wanted to know who was going to have the top spot in the kingdom of heaven, whether now or in heaven. Now, I'll tell you what that is. That's called adult arrogance. Now, I don't know whether any of you have ever said this out loud, but if you are humans, 
like me, you probably had this fleeting thought at one time or another about how big you are or how very important you are in God's kingdom. Kind of goes this way. Jesus, I've done a pretty decent job raising my kids. I'm, I go to church. I'm there all the time. You can count on me. I mean, my pew, the one I pay for every week with my offerings, I'm in it. I give a percentage of my church. I'm not quite a tither yet, but I'm working on it. And, and I do a lot of stuff. I mean, I volunteer for every activity. They say decorate the church. I'm there. They say potluck. I'm there with the casserole. You name it, I'm there. I volunteer for everything. In fact, if everybody would just pitch in and do a little bit more like me, not only would this church be a better place, the world would be a better place. There's a Greek word for that. Hogwash. If you prefer the Hebrew, baloney. Baloney. Let me tell you something. I want to be honest with you as your pastor this morning. Your church achievements don't mean a thing. They are not that important. I'm not saying you should not serve, but it ought to flow from a heart of love for the Lord, a childlike faith, and not out of this sense of duty. No claim to fame. I don't care how many stars you get behind your name in vacation Bible school or Sunday school, or how many times people come up and go, oh, thanks for volunteering, because we couldn't have done this without you. You can't show that to God someday and say, let me into heaven. God will go, well, yeah, nice, but that's not what gets you here. You need to follow the little child, that childlike faith that's talked about, and say, Jesus, here I am. I got mud on my face. I got dirt in my ears. Who knows what I got underneath my fingernails, but I'm here. And Jesus says, come on. Have a seat on your father's lap. See, you know, Christmas really is for children. And I say children in quotation marks. People with a childlike faith. I love little kids. I like to watch them. You know, we had 165 three- and four-year-olds in our preschool back at Lord of Life. I used to go, like, go down and hang out with them and, and hope some of it. I like to breathe those young fumes. Because I wanted to stay young. And they were so cool. You know, when they do their Easter stuff and they do their Christmas stuff, it was so innocent. These little kids found out that Jesus loved them. And they were just excited. Oh, Jesus loves me this night. Oh, that's cool. You know, growing up, we go, Jesus loved me this night. You know. We lose that childlike innocence. Little kids, you have no trouble convincing them that they're sinners. But then they, they kind of go, oh, Really? And then you say, but Jesus loves you anyway. They just light up, and they're so happy that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. You know, little children believe that God enters their heart when they say, I love you. I see little kids go around and say, you can't see it, but he's in here. I mean, they're just so happy Jesus is living in me. You know, little kids don't demand explanations about how God did it. They don't care how God did it. All they care about is God did it. You know, little kids don't question God about why things are the way they are. They just know that God's in control. They just accept Jesus for who he is, somebody who loves them. A number of years ago, I went to a roller skating party with our church. I was watching a little girl. I'm guessing she was about three or four. 
obviously roller skating for the first time in her life. And you know how that goes. Every time you got up, boom, she fall down. She just kept up, down, up, down. Finally, I think it was probably the owner of the roller skating rink came up to her, and she had tears running down her face. I was going to go over to help her, but she said to the roller skating rink owner, I've been trusting Jesus to help me skate. Do you trust Jesus too? I thought, what the innocence of a child who even believed that Jesus could help her roller skate. I don't know whether you believe me or not, but inside of every man that's here this morning is a little boy that wouldn't mind getting out. Sometimes, John, I know it escapes from you more often than others. (laughs) And inside of every woman, I don't care what your age is, there's a little girl that would really kind of like to get out. You like those childhood experiences. Many of you could stand up here one after another and talk about your Christmases when you were little kids. You love to tell those stories. That's why some of you will travel hundreds of thousands of miles to go back to where you grew up just to be back with mom and dad or grandma and grandpa and relive and reminisce about those wonderful times as kids. In fact, if the truth were, were known, and I'll be honest with you this morning, I wouldn't mind reliving some of those happy, carefree times of being a little kid. There was this special ingredient, I think, all of us had a long time ago when we were just little kids in the faith. It was called faith and trust. And somehow or another, we've allowed the world to suck that out of us. That's why Jesus comes and he warns us, stop demanding your rights as adults and why not be a little kid again? Because I want to assure you, I don't care what what your age is today, whether you're just a, a little worm burner or whether you're a person of the senior persuasion, it is possible for you to have a childlike faith. That's why, you know, believe it or not, my wife every once in a while says, Barry, when are you going to grow up? My kids say, Dad, what are you going to do when you finally grow up? My grandson says, Grandpa, what are you going to do when you grow up someday? My typical answer is, I don't ever intend to. I don't want to be grown up. At least not in the way that's going to harden my faith or my joy for Jesus. A number of years ago, I remember going out Christmas caroling with a bunch of people in our church. We went to the home of, of one lady, and after we got done singing in her living room, she said, I want you to know that there is no greater word of God than the word that says God so loved the world. And I thought to myself, man, 80 years old, and she has that still little simple childlike faith. We went to the next house and sang, and when we were all done, I asked the, the lady there if she might share a little word of encouragement with us. And, and she said, just hang on to Jesus. Never let him go. 90 years old. And that wonderful little childlike faith. Then I think of a man named Albert. Albert was 65 when I first met him, and as long as I was his pastor, he had seemed like one disease after another one. And I remember visiting him shortly before he died, and I asked him, Albert, do you ever get discouraged 
man, it just seems like every time you turn around, you get something different. Albert says, only human, Pastor. But you know something? I trust God completely. He loves me. He's doing what's best for me. That's a childlike faith he had. That's the faith that he carried with him to heaven. Let me give you a little church history lesson. There's a guy named Polycarp. That doesn't mean many fish. It's Polycarp was his name. He lived in the first century, and he was going to be burned at the stake because of his Christian faith. And as they took him forward to tie him up to that stake, Polycarp said, that's not necessary. The same God that gave me strength for 85 years will now give me strength to hold on to this pole all by myself. So they just kind of tied him there very loosely, and he died there with his childlike faith. That's how he entered heaven. I was thinking also about a young girl the other day. Her name was Alexis. Lexi, to all of her friends, she was 12 years old. She belonged to my first church, and when I first met Lexi, she was in the final stages of leukemia, hair shorter than mine. One day as we were visiting, she was sitting on the edge of her bed, her legs over the edge, just kind of dangling there. And for some reason, I said, Lexi, what's going to happen to you? What's going to happen to you? She got a little smile on her face. She said, probably going to die, but I'm going to heaven. And, and I said, well, what's so special about that? She says, Pastor, I'm going to get to see Jesus. Now, if a 12-year-old or a 65-year-old or an 80-year-old or a 90-year-old can know and believe that about Jesus, there's no reason that every last single one of you here can't believe the same thing. See, a childlike faith is possible for every last one of us. Even trusting Jesus alone for this life and the life to come only takes the faith, the Bible says, of a humble man. It takes the faith of a humble woman. It takes the faith of a humble teenager. Friends, let me assure you that you need nothing more than that simple faith in Jesus, the one that says, I know that my Redeemer lives. The simple little faith that says, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That simple faith that says Jesus is also my Savior, I am trusting thee, Lord Jesus, trusting only thee. The simple little faith of a child. Lord Jesus, help childlikeness to rub off on all of us. Develop in us the mind of a child without any of that adult cynicism. And Father, I pray that this week you would help us spend time each day in, in our Bibles just to sit down and listen to you. Lord, we don't always get the words right. We don't always fully understand, but what we do believe is that you are the Son of God, that you're the Son of Mary. We believe that without you, we'd be lost forever. So thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for teaching us this morning. In the precious name of Jesus, who also taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Wow, I just looked at my watch. We haven't even got the Lutheran hour in yet, have we? But that's okay. I always figure that God does what God needs to do in the time and the space with which he gives us. So let's stand and let's share the words of the blessing you see on page 5, and then we'll join together in singing our closing song.